Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined by Sean McGuigan. Hello. And Joe Sked. How's it going? <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say something else and then that just came and got really shit. Why are you turning this into a first date? <laughs> no idea. Except you were, you were less awkward there. <laughs> <laughs> On the show, we're going to be looking at the midweek managerial news in the lower leagues, and it is definitely the lower leagues, as Ray McKinnon goes from Wraith Rovers to Dundee United, and Colin Nish goes from Cowdenbeath to the local job centre. <laughs> we'll also look back at the playoff games that happened midweek. We'll not really touch upon the Scottish Premiership midweek. Can um, we talk about Sean Dillon no, kicking the ball against his face? <laughs> yeah, we've also got the most memorable, the number one most memorable European night of all time for the Scottish football team. However, let's actually just start with that. Joel, just, just briefly, very briefly, your favourite moment for this midweek in the top flight? Definitely Sean Dillon kicking the ball against his face. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the, the footage of, um, the, it was when Darlington were playing in League 2 or some non-entity league in England, and Cashers Michaels and goals. It was a defender went to clear it with the kind of hook it away and hit it off his face and went into the goal. Um, it was it was very similar to that, but except he, he set up and goes it was Doolan. Um, he went to clear the ball over his um, over his shoulder and hit himself square in the mush. Good. There's actually nothing to play for in the top play whatsoever. So no, that's why, that's why I've, I've barely even seen. I've not seen that. I've, all I've seen is a replay of both St Johnson goals and. I've seen the goals from the Motherwell, the Motherwell <laughs> Ross County game, or Ross County Motherwell, should I say? But I only saw them on that tiny wee video you get in the corner, like the Daily Record website. I didn't even want to expand it. I just kind of, all oh, right. But I did see one because I had heard that they played Jackson Avon at centre half, and I could see even for that tiny little picture, he it makes a complete arse of the first goal. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that. I've, I've only seen the goals from the Dundee United game and the, 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 the Celtic game. There was some very funny defending in the Celtic game. There was, I've seen that. I've only seen footage from uh, St Johnson Celtic where approximately seven players just start swinging for the ball at the corner flag. Yeah, I did and see it, that. That's there for about three minutes. <laughs> that was another popular Scottish football vibe. There's going to be too many. <laughs> it was. Uh, I think <laughs> it's a like the best story. The best thing I like about that as well is that while this mayhem is going on, the corner flag is just going back and forth. <laughs> it's a bit. It's like pendulum. <laughs> it's added. It's commentating itself on the action it's seeing. But right, come come Sunday, I think there's only one position up for grabs. Seven can swap with eight. That's it. Seven for games. Eight. That's it's been done. It's petered out. Same with the English Premiership, it's fine, just to watch it. Peter Dowd, what's pretty much been a shite season as well. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the gaps between teams, like 10 points between first and second, roughly 10 points between first and second, 10 points between second and third. St Johnson could finish six points behind Hearts. Oh, really? Yeah, if they win on Sunday. Because they've got the chance to win five games in a row after yeah. the split, which is for a team that's not the champions or even close to it. That's they pretty mental. They had it on, um, I think it was the St Johnson 18... What the year they were formed? The guy on Twitter, he's very, he's very good. 1888? 1888, yeah. Or was that Celtic? That's Celtic. That's Celtic. Celtic and County Beef. 
Mason Johnson as well? It's 1884, I think it is. Oh, you're right, because that's the Twitter handle. Yeah, Twitson Johnson, 1884, and he had the stat up for their top, I think they've lost... Two games in the top six in the last, each of the last three seasons. Uh, of, of combined. combined, yeah. And they've gained from they had a he had a great um, graphic up to date. They've won twenty five points from losing positions this season. You did enjoy that graphic. I saw you retweeting yeah, it. Yeah. I think you put interesting at the top. Yeah. I thought Joe, I've, I've, rubbed, rubbed, I've rubbed my chin. Joe, like, Joe really, really finds that interesting. Interesting, yeah. Celtic. I think Celtic had uh, recovered from nine points from falling behind. And I just thought that was kind of epitomised their um, lack of balls. Lack of cojones. Yeah, none in the, none in the team. I, t- I tweeted saying, there goes the champions. It was kind of meaning a dig at Scottish football in general and then just got a response from, as usual, a very defensive Celtic fan for, for making a tired joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry your team's rubbish and it's just the best of a lot of rubbish. It's not been a g- and I, I don't mean that as a slam on Scottish football. It's just been a poor season, I think, mm. in general. I think the top flight, the, the standard... And not even I don't even think we lost that many players kind of last summer. It was actually quite good for retaining some of the better talents in the league because we've had seasons where there's been an exodus yeah. of, of players going, but we didn't really have that. It's just that the kind of players that were good all got worse. <laughs> Nobody seemed to get better. Yeah, so it was, I was writing the midfielders thing for um, uh, for, the, for the Scotsman, the, the top twelve, and it was a lot of them like Celtic players just regressed, 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 <laughs> uh, plateaued. <laughs> But next season, next season, I think. Next season will be a good one. Yeah. Next season will be a good one. There's always next season. Got high hopes. Anyway, let's let's move away from the non-event league and uh, discuss uh, a team who's also moving away from that league, Dundee United, who have had a very busy midweek. And it's funny they've they've kind of already managed to move on the the narrative about their um, being docked points and their chairman having a complete tantrum by uh, getting a new manager. I, I thought I was. Uh, I actually thought I was dealing with this breakup reasonably well, and then I saw Ray McKinnon sporting a, a Dundee United scarf about uh, an hour ago, and it feel it felt like when you hang her after an ex, and she changes her Facebook profile picture to one of her in her new bow, and you just slip into a kind of a kind of bottomless pit of despair. <laughs> That's yep. how it felt. Uh, no. I, I think it would have hurt more if uh, Ray McKinnon was holding his cup of tea. <laughs> I just the cameras personified when he has that cup of tea. He's leaning against the dugout. That's what it's going to really uh, hit home, I think. And to be fair, this breakup got a lot better when the football version of seeing them out at a, a club and he's chatting up on our lassie while she's raging uh, when Wraith Rovers are pumping Dundee United. I, I think we might do. I think we might do. Then, in, in all honesty, uh, it was, it was a, his tenure worked out well for for both parties, and he left the club in a far better state than he found them, which. For a club of Wraith Rover stature, it's probably about as much as you can expect from, from any kind of management tenure. Uh, I think he'll do well at Dundee United. Uh, there's Wraith Rovers fans saying, oh, why on earth would they, would they choose to go to Dundee United at this time? But why would you not go to Dundee United at this time? I mean, surely, they've, surely this is them at, at rock bottom. You would imagine they can go. I don't think it is. can go any lower I'm, than this. I'm going to disagree with you. I think they can go. They're not going to go any lower in terms of tiers in Scottish football. I think they're too big a club to drop that far and go into League One Dunfermline style I think they're just a bit too too much st- too, too many fans <laughs> I mean they're just going to their, their attendances will give them a budget so that even if they pick dreadful players those dreadful players will still be better than for instance Dumbart however they're only keeping like five players for next season but why would you I, want to keep any more than I know, the squad I don't know I think you would want to keep some of them I think, you, I think John Rankin at this age would make a fight Championship player. I don't think necessarily he'll be dreadful at that level. I think it's the same for maybe a number of guys. I think you, you want to keep up maybe a lot of those players and just bring in guys. It's just going to be very hard for McKinnon to go into the transfer market, sign a, a completely new team, and basically you're tossing a coin every time you sign a player he's, whether he's going to be good or not. And he's going to have to have that come up heads every single time. Otherwise, Dundee United aren't going to be anywhere near promotion contenders. And I could really see them finishing like mid table next season. I don't. I can see this ending in disaster. I agree with you that I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up with, like some mid and half a season, where um, they were thinking about challenging for the, the the playoffs, and it's just been um, rubbish. 
But I think McKinnon is, 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 is a solid manager. I think he's more solid than Ian Murray was going in there. He's got a blank, kind of blank canvas to work with. And who's to say he can't sign, uh, re-sign like, players like Rankin and stuff? Isn't that just a case of Thompson saying, right, we'd, uh, we can't offer you anything just now until everything's... That's not what they said, though. They said that they're gone. Hib's done the same. They released all these players before well, Stubbs was there. So if McKinnon goes, um, right, uh, says to Stephen Thompson, right, I want to sign John Rankin and... Um, the, the finances there to sign him, Rankin was a sign. Surely he's going to sign. Don't know. It never happens before. That's that's a rare thing. If it's just maybe plays in the egos of the players or the chairman himself. He says, "I can't go back," and I've told him that he's already gone. But it just doesn't happen a lot of times in football. You can't really think of many circumstances because you see this quite a lot at the end of the season. They say, "Right, we're clearing out this," and then they bring in a new manager. It's not very often the new manager then turns around and says, "Right, I want half of the players." I, I I I could agree with you to an extent if you take. Uh, the season that's just finished if you take that Wraith Rovers team as an example because it was a it was a season in uh, kind of two halves and the first half up until December, January if you'd spoken to any Wraith Rover or kind of level-headed Wraith Rovers fan they probably would have said that the club didn't seem to be that much better than when Grant Murray was running it uh, you know the style of football wasn't particularly good uh, they were kind of mid-table it was, it was somewhere between mediocre and, and okay now part of that was bad luck he, he was without his best centre half and, and Craig Barr who, who didn't come back till February he was without his best forward and, and Lewis Vaughan so I fair enough that's bad luck but in terms of how he went about sculpting a squad he sorted his defence right away defensively Wraith were, were excellent right for the right for the get-go but in terms of midfield and up front he had far too few forwards he only had one wide player and he kind of shoehorned about six, seven central midfielders into quite a small squad and I suppose Part of the concern was in, in terms of who he went about. It was a bit hit and miss in terms of his acquisitions. Uh, you know, I think his first signer was Darren Petrie, who I never thought would be good enough for Championship level. He eventually got loaned out to Albion Rovers. Ryan McCord, there was doubts about his fitness at that level. He didn't feature after I think December. He never came. Oh, he played one game. He's now signed for Arbroath. He's now went to Arbroath. Uh, he replaced Lewis Vaughan with John Daly, which. That's like, like that's like a washing machine blown up and you buy a toaster. It's just, <laughs> it was just a, a very strange sign. And to be fair, they then brought in Craig White, which, which didn't really work, but uh, at the time, everybody thought that would be quite a good sign. And so in terms of how in terms of how he assembled the squad and how the team performed over the first half of the season, that wasn't just bad luck. That was, how, that was his kind of poor assembly of a squad, how he went about building it. He rectified it in January, but a lot of those signings were, uh, were brought in through uh, outside finance so basically the budget was all gone and there was some local businessmen chipped in for Aidan Connolly's wages and uh, uh, Ryan Hardy's wages with to pay a percentage of Ryan Hardy's wages and uh, Harry Paniotu but without that outside investment we would have been lumbered with that squad the entire season and I'm not 100% certain that that Wraith team as it was would have qualified for the playoffs and then you know, Ray McKinnon might have been mentioned for the Dundee United job but probably wouldn't have got it that's the other concern I've got as well is that I don't. McKinnon's done a decent job at two different clubs. He's not blown anybody away with what he's done, and I don't think you say that. I think it's easy to say in hindsight that he's a better manager than Ian Murray, but Ian Murray done what looked like an incredible job in keeping them back, especially when he took over and they were just completely destined for relegation, and then they were he kept them very safe. And I know it's been done again this year by Aitken. So that job doesn't look as good. But at the time, I think we all thought that Murray had done a terrific job. And I mean, it was, to be fair, it was Murray, um, I think, they chose ahead of McKinnon. Uh, St. Mirren. Yeah, that's right. Now McKinnon got interviewed for the St. Yeah. job. Oh, there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll find out of that. It's hard to tell. It's just that uh, I think it's too easy sometimes. With, I, just, uh, I, just, I just said it because Ian <clears throat> Murray is a heavy bastard. That's true. I once argued with him on Twitter because he gloated that Hearts only drew at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> what you he, did, mate? He trolled you about that. Who signed you on? Devil's advocate, mate. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, a, a really good positive about McKinnon is he will never settle for a draw. So whereas previously with Grant Murray, if it was one all with fifty minutes to go, he'd make a like for like substitution or he'd just settle for for the point. McKinnon will will never do that. And the amount of points that Wraith won this season uh, where he it was maybe one all 50 minutes to go and he'd bring on two strikers and go three up front and, and go for the win and I did notice that Wraith seemed to be a team where 
Uh, they seem to improve very much in the second half of games. Now, you could argue that that meant that he maybe didn't set them up well to start with, but he always seemed to have the ability to rectify games uh, from maybe a, a poor start. And I, I, think he'll do, I think he'll do a really good job at Dungeon United. I'm, I'm surprised that you, you don't think that they'll figure... figure no, Joe does. I don't. I, I, think I, it's, I think they'll especially be up there if, if Hibs end up getting promoted. I'm just going, it could work the other way. He could do a very good job. He's done a decent job before. If he continues that career momentum, then Dundee United will be... Second to Hibs. So, if Hibs go or Falkirk. If Hibs go Third up, to Hibs and Falkirk. Kelly winning the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> if Hibs go up, where would you... It's hard to say we would have Dundee United at the moment because the, the, the lack of squad they, they it, have. It depends, because we don't know what the squad, Falkirk squad is going to look like next yeah, season. If they keep the majority of that squad together, and it's not a deep squad, so I mean they have to pretty much... Keep everybody bar maybe one player. But you, you're thinking at the moment, bookies, uh, bookies be thinking Dundee United are first or second favourites. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have them there. Not, not right now. Like I said, it depends on what yeah. Falkirk do. But I would still, if they keep the core of that team together, I'd still fancy Falkirk over United next season. And keep Peter Houston. Not that I would expect Houston to, to necessarily make a move, but Houston seems to get. You look at that Falkirk squad, and I think it's good, but I don't think it's great. But Houston seems to have made them if, if far Hibs, superior. If, if, if Hibs stay down, I don't think there's any chance United have got if, winning the title. No, no chance whatsoever. If Hibs get promoted, I think Houston might be sniffing a job in the Premiership, so he can bam up Alan Stubbs a bit more. <laughs> It'll be, be great if he just follows him for the rest of his career. <laughs> even even if he gets like a job, Stubbs gets a job like a championship in England, and then gets promoted. Pearson just pays the Premier League team. If you don't pay me, I'll pay you to be a manager. And believe me, I'll beat that team. Stubbs the point at Everton boss. Next minute, Houston is replacing Klopp. I say that. I say Falkirk never actually beat him, do they? They just always draw. Oh, it's, uh, it's four, them four draws and one defeat so far. This, this, this. Uh, this In fact, season. including last season as well. I think they've only got one win, and that was the semi-final. I think. I've heard somebody say somebody actually said Houston has Stubbs's number. That's not the case at all. I think Hibs only have one win as well. Right, but still, it's no. I, I know he probably, this season Hibs will have one. He has his number because Hibs should be fancy to win these games because yeah. they're the bigger side. But still, it's not exactly like Stubbs has a better record against Nielsen, I think, than, than Houston has yeah. against Stubbs. I know they don't have the Indian side over them or anything. I mean, it's not as if they beat them every time they yeah. they come up against each other. But uh, I, I anyway, Dundee United. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a prediction. Just because, like you saw it with, with Stubbs took over at Hibs, and I think it'll be a, a similar scenario. At United. The first couple of months, it'll just be very hard to bed in a completely new team of players. And Stubbs done a good job of recruiting players for that side. And even then, it still took its time for everything to come together. And in that time, that was where Hibs, Hibs were not far away by the time we got to the end of the season in terms of quality for that, when you compared it to the Hearts team. But it started off the year, Hearts won every game, yeah. and Hibs could barely buy a win. But, but nobody, you would imagine nobody in next season's championship will are, are going, to do, away, what, yeah, are going to do what Hearts did. Hibs could yeah, if they stayed in. Carry that. Chance is pissing on himself. Yeah, in theory, Hibs might. But they've never done it any other seasons. I'm not entirely certain why they would start next. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, should we move on to Nishi? Poor Colin Nash. Uh, can we mention uh, the, 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 the text we got from Gary about the, the, is it the strip launch? Dungeon United? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We should probably mention um, the points deduction as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've, uh, in, a, in two weeks, they have uh, gone from. Um, they've made Dundee look like a well-run club over the last decade, and that's some going. And it's, it's only it's only been a week. They've made Livingston look not quite as bad. Exactly, They're still yeah. worse. Nobody's worse than Livingston, but not no. quite as bad. So everybody else, Clyde. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they've they've already impersonated Gretna by being absolute bumf, and now now they're impersonating them by having points deducted as well. The impersonation <laughs> is complete. <laughs> Did, oh wait, did Gretna get points deduction? Yeah. Yes. Did they? All right. Hmm. Still be hearts. Still be hearts. That's true. I didn't know, I didn't know if they had got points deducted. I just thought they went out of business at the end of the season. They, they, got, thought, they got points deducted, uh, points deducted, but if they didn't get the points deducted, their points tally still would have been bobbins. Right, okay. I'm going to check that out. Anyway. Do you not believe us? No, not really. I, done, I think it was 9 or 15. That's the two figures I have in, head, in my head. Nine or fifteen? Yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. I know Twelve. I know, I know there's a, quite a difference. There. <laughs> you should probably talk while I look this up. Um, yeah, sort of 
The, you've got the point deduction. This is a suspended fine. Suspended 30, 30 grand fine. I don't know what I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, I think it's just a fine. I don't think it's suspended. I thought it was suspended. Uh, I might be wrong because I was listening to Sports Hound. So. Right, well, I'd have to think of the look And the, suppose it was, today was a launch, uh, a kit launch. I noticed, I noticed they promoted it the other day and I thought, oh, I don't know if that will go well. 10 point deduction. Oh, there you go. I was completely wrong. Well, I was close, but still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. Right, I'll, I'll check Dundee Rides apparently. And so it was the. The, the strip launch and they cancelled it an hour before because there was going to be a protest and then or moved it uh, to another place moved it to a, a place that was about the size of a shed yeah <laughs> I had hard for fans to get to <laughs> even though they were looking to interact with fans part of the fine has been suspended part of the fine but is it, it doesn't go into detail as to how much I don't think not that I can see That's an unspecified part of which is suspended off the 30k yes so some of it still cost them a bit of money, which considering their cost cutting is quite funny. They'll still find uh, a way to keep this John Dillon on a five-year contract. Rolling contract. <laughs> rolling five-year contract. Yeah. <laughs> and only rolling on his part. Come to have any said it. He's, he's like, um, like, it's like a cockroach. Him and Livingston. Livingston, the world to the end, he's still got a contract for a Dun United and Livingston are so good. He's like in, in basketball and in, I presume in other American sports as well, you can you can get a clause in your contract which is a no trade clause. Which means that the team can't get rid of you. Because that's kind of like because it's like franchises. Players I think can that's, easily um, be traded around without their without their I think um, he's got an informal one in his contract. It just means that every other team doesn't want to trade him. So he's stuck there. <laughs> trade for him. Yeah. He's got a no trade for clause. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even, it's not even a clause it's just, that's just the way of the world nobody wants him he was good in like 2009 he's really not been good for years it's, it's weird how he stayed around whether he, whether, he, whether he plays in the seven different positions he's played <laughs> right back sit half the other sit half back. left back mid centre midfield centre midfield away at Cali that was weird he didn't actually play that badly which was even weirder <laughs> although that was a bit of a strange game bizarre anyway Nishi Colin Nash. I, I watched Cowdenbeath and they had a big relegation game against Brecon a few weeks ago and they put in one of the most inept, useless, disorganised shambles of a performance that I've ever seen and they won 2-1. And I thought to myself, Colin Nash is going to cling to his job here because Cowdenbeath are going to stay up. Uh, but no, no. And it was, I don't think there'll be very many Cowdenbeath fans who are sorry to see him go. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot out. Uh, well, a lot uh, in terms of Cowdenbeath fans. A lot out to get them. In terms of, for just they've had they made their mind up. There was no. There was no way that whatever Colinish did was uh, going to change their mind on his managerial. There will only be one person who sort of see him go, and it's that it'll be that mad Japanese lady that writes on Pine Buffalo who seemed to love Colinish. She actually she doesn't support football teams. She just follows Colinish. So she used to be like a Hartlepool fan. And now wow. she's a cow and be fun. That's literally the only person who's sorry to see him go. I bet she's got some very weird mail on Pierre Pine Waffles. Did you. Sh- if Colin Nash gets a job as a lecky or something, does she just give up on football? <laughs> yep, yep. She'll uh, start supporting, I don't know, Colin Nash Electrical. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never hire them. <laughs> Did they not pretty much get the job just because he was given an 18 month contract as a player, which never made any sense? And to justify that contract, presumably he was probably the highest paid player at the club, they made him manager. He was given a huge. A huge, uh, a huge deal by Jimmy Nichol. Not in terms of the salary, or maybe it was, but in terms of the, the length of contract. And, you know, that right from the off, that, that kind of led to Cowden Booth fans being pretty angry that they signed him on such a long deal when relegation from uh, the Championship seemed quite likely. The fact they were going to have to keep him on this reasonably big salary. So, yeah, it did appear that that's why they gave him the, the management job to, to get their money's worth out of him. Uh, that went well. <laughs> I, I enjoyed... Um Let's go back eight or nine months when uh, the bookies made Cowden Beef one of the favourites for the division. Yes, I wish I'd had the stones to bet on them. I knew they would be poor, I just didn't think it would be this poor. I wish I had the guts to bet on them and be relegated. From, from what I've seen of them, uh, they looked, this season, they looked like a poor League Two team. Yeah. A really poor League Two team. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that they finished above Forfar is remarkable. I mean, well, the only reason they finished above Forfar is basically that Greg Spence and Craig Simmons in their team. And then with the, two players, the, should, uh, the, two players the, should never the, be anywhere near Cowden Beef. The boy alone from uh, Rangers in the first and, half and, of the season. Andy Mur- yeah, when, Murdoch. As soon as he lost Andy Murdoch and Gordon Smith, who went to he went to Australia, he went to play football in Australia. Why, 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 he'd want, why he'd want to leave Cowden Beef to head to Australia, I have no idea. Mm, yeah. But, but yeah, as soon as they two... Because at, at one point it looked like they were at, might as a challenge for a top four spot. Not so much. 
Obviously, and Smith didn't know you can get um, one pound like fifty cans in the new golf, <laughs> and a nip for like seventy two p. I went in there once. It wasn't that. It wasn't as cheap as it was made out to be. No, no. You must be getting served by the wrong, the wrong bartender. <laughs> so, me wife, we got a thing for you. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> The, 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 the next appointment though becomes really serious because you know Cowdenbeath have arguably the lowest crowd in Scotland and there's now whereas before you can get away with that and you would finish bottom of the bottom tier and it didn't really matter you know if Cowdenbeath were to finish bottom of League 2 next season or to be round about there and get sucked into a playoff you, you would wonder if Cowdenbeath would actually survive dropping down to the Lowland League you know, if you're only getting a couple hundred fans in League Two, so you, you, that was a team that you would kind of fear for their existence. Likewise, he's still in actually had probably in a, a similar position. So their next managerial appointment is is pretty vital. Which can be have their own stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, it's still a bit. But, but it isn't that belongs to. Yeah. Ah no, but at least oh, sorry, at least they have a, like they're not playing. He's still in Shire or a Falkirk club not playing in Falkirk. Sorry, I see, what you, mean. Their own ground. I see what you mean. Yeah, that's oh, not own, but they don't even they don't even rent their own ground. I saw the difference. They rent off an off team. Well, you know what I mean. Like they they don't have an individual stadium. It's like that's their stadium. But stadium wise, Cowdenbeath aren't in a great position either. No, it's not the best. Bearing in mind, if they'd reached the playoff final, they couldn't play at home on a Saturday because the stock cars had a big meet. <laughs> Which was a concern because Clyde couldn't have played on that home on a Saturday either because they had BMX racing at their stadium. <laughs> it's a bizarre. Uh, you've ever been to the Central when the stock uh, stock stock car racing has taken place after the game? It's weird walking out the walking out the gate and there are just um, hundreds of people just in shitty bang cars just waiting by the gates to get in. It's a bizarre bizarre experience. So what is the future? Is there, is there going to be any? Are they going to come? Are they going to be challenged to come back? It, it, it depends on their point. If uh, I, I tell you who I think would bring them back, but he would uh, bring them eye bleedingly poor football. Uh, John McGlynn. Why don't they appeal to the sentimentality of Danny Lennon? Uh, Danny Lennon might do okay. I, I did see, I did laugh at some of the... He got them back-to-back promotions before. He did, he did, but he, he seems to have lost a bit of his, his luster, to mm-hmm. be fair. Sure. I did see one person who thought it would be probably to appoint John Brang. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, he does, have a, he does have a friend in the boardroom. He does. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that... It's, so it might happen. There's a very good chance that the new manager has Rangers links. Yes. Big bomber. <laughs> Please, please let that happen. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to see the end of Cowden Beef, but uh, I don't know. Bomber Brown's a manager; it might be worth it just for the laughs. Imagine how much swearing would be in his post-match <laughs> press conferences after they've just got jobbed by Montrose. <laughs> it's kind of strange the amount of teams in the lower leagues that Cowden Beef have well a second-tier club for three years in a row, four years, three years in a row. Three, I believe. Now you're saying that there's a, there's a possibility if we don't get a managerial appointment right, they might be in the Lowland League. Does that just kind of show you the parity and how many teams there are in the Scottish Lower Leagues that are all very much a kind of similar size that you can drop that far and it not even be that strange? Cowdenbeath's problem is that in their very last season in the Championship, they just spent, and Jimmy Nichols' squad was huge and they spent so much money on, on, on wages for players that just weren't good enough. And then... You know, if he hadn't done that, then they may have went into League One with a reasonably decent budget. They would have saw them challenge at the top, the top end of the league. But Nish was, to a degree, forced into signing guys that just weren't good enough. Looking at their their history, um, they're probably back where they they're, where they're, 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 they're back at their level. For a club of their size, they're now yeah. back at their level. Okay, and I suppose when you you spe- say like speculate to accumulate and. If you sign good players, then you play good football and you, you win games, you win games, the more crowd comes, the more crowd comes, the more money you get, you spend better players, and the opposite's true. You buy crap players, the crowd stops coming, you lose games, you lose more games, lose less crowd, less money, more crap players. A vicious cycle. Yeah. What's, uh, he's still in Shire and Edinburgh one, City, one. still 1-0. One 1-0. Out. One out. They're, for some reason, a week apart, whereas the rest of them are all midweek to... Yeah, yes, I'm not entirely sure why that happened, actually. But yeah, it happened, right, it happened last time as well, I'm sure. Yeah, it did. That's weird. Anyway, let's get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Will we work our way up or work our way down? Up. 
Oh, okay. We, we, sorry, we've mentioned Clyde. Okay, let's go with Clyde, who look like they are going to stay another tier, another tier, another year in the bottom tier, uh, having lost 3-1 at home to Queen's Park. Perhaps, perhaps it should have just left Bob Malcolm in charge for this game, and, and left Barry Ferguson in the Alps. <laughs> Although, in fact, I wouldn't imagine you're in the Alps to get your UEFA licences. Did, did Ferguson come back for the other game? Mm. No, he missed, it, he, he missed both legs. No, he missed the first leg. He right, missed the yeah, first yeah. leg of the last round. I don't know why I said he'd been out. I thought he was like climbing the Matterhorn again. The second, <laughs> to be fair, the, <laughs> the second leg was still at least went, went up in Elgin. No, although Dylan Easton was injured at no no early in the game, which might have made it a completely different match because he is undoubtedly Elgin's best player. I think what annoyed Clyde fans the most is that although they haven't exactly been kind of exponents of the beautiful game this season, they did play decent football against Elgin, and I think the belief was that they'd do something similar against Queens Park, uh, but but they seem to just go back to hoofing the ball up to John Gemmell's head for the entire game. Which, in fairness, you can understand because Gemmell does win everything in the air. Uh, but his straight partner was Gormley, who, judging by the highlights, didn't seem to be aware of where he was going to flick the ball on. Or it doesn't, and in fairness, Gormley has now played 40 games this season and scored eight goals, uh, but four of them were in the same game. So, <laughs> I don't know. How does that happen? I don't know. It's, but his strike rate is particularly good either. It's uh, not the same with Mitrovic down south for Newcastle. He's not got a similar No, Vinaldo. Vinal, that was Vinaldo. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, he scored about eight against Swansea. He's got nine for the season. <laughs> or Norwich. Clyde as well, we're missing... And again, this shows you... Barry, Barry Ferguson's built a squad. They were badly missing Mark McLaughlin at the back. I mean, he's 40 years old. And yet, they were badly missing him. Um, one of the younger ones in the team. Yeah, yeah one of the younger ones, uh, Marvin Andrews. <laughs> who for the, was badly at fault for the first goal. He was running, running back with, uh, with no the striker. he's an old man. And he literally, <laughs> he literally started running back with him maybe 15 yards outside the penalty area and decided not to foul him until they were inside the penalty area. <laughs> and he said, Marvin, that is not a great decision. It's not a great decision. <laughs> See, that's what he should be good at, you know. <clears throat> but he, he does... To be fair, Clyde fans have been saying he was doing okay up until, up until that weekend, but... Up against anybody that's even remotely pacing. In fact, even up against people who are just slow. There's been a lot of positivity for Clyde fans who not only listen to the show, but also on social media as well, saying, like, ah, it'll be funny when, when we get promoted and Barry will prove them all wrong. I'm sorry, you should have won the title. The fact that he didn't win the title, and not even the, like a great season either. East Fife finished brilliantly, but they were not a good team for the first half of the season. And it's not like they've been beaten by... I don't know. The Peter, I think the Peterhead team today they not finish on something like 90 points or something. It's not like they've been outdone by that. They, the, the, the amount of money spent compared to other clubs, Barry Ferguson should have built a team that walked to the title. And he's not done a good job. And the fact that they're staying in the division is just... And you've got more of them as well because he's got a couple more years. As soon as... They basically extended his deal when it looked like they were in with a real shot of winning the league. And as soon as he signed an extension to, I think, 2019... <laughs> Uh, they became absolute toilet. I wouldn't say all. I wouldn't say all was lost because Queens Park have a terrible home record. However, Queens Park do have an exceptional record against Clyde. I think that's that's five times they've played each other and Clyde haven't won any of the games. Yeah, uh, and also if Clyde won two 0 it goes to extra time. The way goals. That's what usually, I, usually, usually you lose the first leg at home three one. You're almost certainly done. They did. Judging by the highlights, however, they did create in the first half at least. They did create a fair few chances. Queen's Park didn't look great at the back. However, Gus McPherson is a kind of master of setting his teams up quite negatively, so they'll be wasting time from about 15 seconds in, <laughs> you would imagine. Uh, so Clyde are up against that. I wouldn't say it's definitely all over. Uh, I remember there was a playoff game last season that was for Alloa. Yes. Uh, which I think finished 3-1 and, and Alloa came back to win. So it's, it's not all over. That was slightly different because Alloa are at home in the second leg. Uh, but uh, Clyde are struggling. Was that what happened in that game? I think, I don't know, I think Alloa won that away game. Did they not? No, Fofa won at home and Alloa won at Recreation Park. Okay, talk, about, talk, about, the, talk about the table. Or the Indo drill or whatever it was. I'm going to look that up. He's a real dubious character. I know, he is. Untrustworthy. Literally doesn't believe a word we've seen. I'm sure it was, right, sorry, maybe it wasn't Fofa, was it Breakin that played in the final? No, Fofa was in the final. Right, right, sorry, I was at one of them. I was, sorry, I was thinking of the Breakin game. That's okay. I got my Angus clubs mixed up. I, I do apologise. He's only done. <laughs> anyway, on to the league above, where it was a, a doozy on Alba, live on Alba, competing with uh, St Johnson and Celtic, and if you watched the latter, you were a mug, because you missed out on a great game. Uh, one each, 
It was a humdinger. Yep. I loved almost every minute. Uh, it was too... It's turned out air, we should probably mention. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. I, just, I just presumed that everybody watched it on BBC Alma, like me. Uh, no, it was great. It was, it was two teams kicking absolute lumps out of each other. But there were, there were chances. There was, there was chances of some good football, some good uh, play, and some great... Uh, Good goalkeeping and some not so good goalkeeping. That's correct. Greg Fleming coming for a ball that he could have kicked and then deciding to kind of go for a header and completely misjudging it was, was good. It was like he, um, it, it's like he was a centre forward, seeing that the keeper had um, had under kicked it. So instead of uh, going up for the header with the centre back, he's ran in front of the centre midfielder and flicked on. Except he's flicked on to his own goal. I don't understand any of that, but okay. Sounds interesting. I thought thought there was some good fan interaction. I liked when the Air fan, one of the Air fans, threw a beach ball onto the park, which went against them, to be fair, because when Craig Moore was presented with uh, an opportunity from about three yards out, he seemed to just take his eye off the football and then just look at the beach ball and then and just put it wide, yeah. and completely uh, put it wide. Yeah, the, then, then the stewards came around and started taking all the beach balls away and then someone used his jumper to hit, this, hit the beach balls off uh, out the stewards' hands. Back onto the park. Uh, back on the park, yeah. There was also a moment in the second half when I'm not sure which air fan it was went to take a throw in and he started getting dogs abuse and getting, he was basically started on by four Stranwell fans <laughs> and I would imagine he had a combined age of about... 53 <laughs> and then a guy that looked like an egg avatar from Twitter started giving them a route which is brilliant lower league crowds are exceptional I'm a big fan of them but they, they, they spilled on the, with the airs late eagles or they spilled onto the pitch as well there was a bit of a, a kind of pathetic pitch invasion at the end but uh, fair enough they were excited happy the the game summed up everything that was kind of wrong with Shinra the seasonal and that they were I mean Ian McCall said after the game that the air was lucky to be in the game and he had a point however I mean, Ayr did miss a couple of setters in the first half, but Stranraer were the better team. Defensively, there isn't that much between the teams. In the middle of the park, there isn't that much between the teams, but in the league table, I think Ayr have scored about 23 goals more than Stranraer this season. And that, that's a problem. Stranraer weren't really missing setters. They weren't creating enough, or when they were getting to the final third, they were making the wrong choice, they were shooting when they should be passing, and, and vice versa. Is that not a bit strange, because they've got <clears throat> Andy Stirling, Willie Gibson... And Paul Kearney all on their team. Midfield's excellent yeah. for that level. Uh, but I mean, up front, it's you know Jamie Longworth, Craig Malcolm, uh, Matt McGuigan, when he's played up front, you know, chips in. Jamie Longworth only scored seven goals. He missed, he missed two very good chances yesterday when he came off the bench. I mean, Air played a lot on the counter-attack. Uh, that's how they got a couple of chances in the first half. It's hard more for the possession, but Air had better chances in the first half. And then it just seemed that Ayr were kind of happy with the what did to just take a 1-0 defeat to Somerset. Uh, and then popped up for 95, last, generally last kick of the game. Uh, and Doherty had been really poor in the entire game. That was about his first positive contribution. Yeah, he was, that was the first time he kicked the ball. He was too busy kicking <laughs> everyone else. I enjoyed, there was a moment where the camera went on Ian McCall. And it looked like he was wearing every single piece of Air United branded Rem- merchandise yeah. that, that, that they sell. Uh, baseball cap, uh, scarf, tracksuit and puffer jacket. I, was, I wouldn't be surprised if he was taking notes with an Air United pencil. I enjoyed uh, hearing that Ryan Stevenson didn't even make the start in 11. No, no he's, he's been poor. He's had fleeting moments Good. in that Air United team. Because the amount of Hearts fans that when he dropped down to Air were like, oh, really? We'd maybe take him back at Hearts. No. Fuck off. No, he really poor. Really poor. No. He was, he was, he was kind of regarded as a kind of second coming or the third coming uh, for, for uh, Air, but no. Very poor. Does that mean because he's came twice or three is he, times? Is he stud, Is it his stud? What was the what was the second of those? No, mm. well, went for I think eight at the hearts. Did he go? Did he start at eight and then go was when he went at St Johnson? I think so. Right. Definitely. Or he's maybe had an extra loan spell. I can't. It's definitely his third spell. Though. Okay. He went there at Chelsea once, didn't he? When he was younger. Oh. Yeah. He was at Chelsea at once. Uh, Google him. Google him because you will not believe us. <laughs> He was it. He was it. He was a youth player at Chelsea. Well done, Joe. There you go. You should you should stop googling and just believe us. Well, apart from the fact they got the apart from the fact they got the Gretna points thing wrong, so you may have a point. <laughs> Wait, well, well, it depends, right? He was on loan at Air and then he signed for them, but he was also on loan at Air last season. This season, sorry, just and then signed for them. So does that not count as four? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Oh. 
Hvad er det, du har været med? Hvad er det, hvad er No, no, sorry. no sorry, I was just, I was, I was still, I was still thinking about the air game because it's on Alba on on Sunday. The uh, the, the, the 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 second leg should be a, a barnstormer. As should the Hibs game be. There's yes, it's on Friday night. Yes, I thoroughly enjoy the beef that these two teams have. The only slightly, slightly the only slightly disappointing thing about it's it. It's not between the players. Is <laughs> well, sometimes it is. The kind of uh, kind of bubbles under the surface rather than kind of really really boiling over. Uh, there has been some dreadful tackles in this game uh, throughout the season, mm-hmm. but I particularly liked. There wasn't anything really shocking during the week, although I did think it was odd when Anthony Stokes decided to tackle Miles Hippolyte in the penis <laughs> after about eighty minutes. Yes, he, he just kicked him right in the willy. Tackled his tackle. Tackled his tackle. Thought that was quite funny. The the hope is that um, one of these teams kind of canter to canter to victory. On, on Friday and it just turns into um, like the second coming off Spurs Chelsea where they just kick and lumps <laughs> out each other because that was great entertainment and that's if, if you're not going to see a cracking game with a lot of a lot of chances and mistakes you want something like that where uh, people are just kick and lumps out each other when, <laughs> when professional commentators say that we don't want to see scenes like this that's a nonsense that's a face lie everybody loves it it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great entertainment to watch fully grown men just completely lose it, act like children, and just kick their opponents. That Spurs, that was delicious. I loved it. It was. I knew that it was. It was bad because they had lost the plot and they were never going to win the game because they'd stopped concentrating on trying to play football and just wanted to hurt Chelsea. But I, I, still, that was fine. We're only going to win the title anyway. If we could maybe put one or two Chelsea players in hospital, I was I was, was crying for that. I get torn. They, they put uh, the I think they, it was a compilation of uh, of fouls in the game, and it lasted um, like bad fouls. It lasted about two minutes. <laughs> it was Lamella. I think it, oh, what was the highlight actually? Maybe Lamella's stamp on a. Uh, or treading on Fabregas's hand. No, it was just which he completely got away with. Eric that's what was my favourite part of it. Eric Dyer just uh, charged about like a rhino. <laughs> Eric Dyer's two challenges after he was already booked were incredible. <laughs> anyway, we're on air. So, no, hips. No, hips, 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 <laughs> I thought I, hips, I thought hips, I know that the <clears> penalty was a a huge could be a huge turning point mm. in not only this this game but also in Hibs' chances of getting promotion and maybe even Alan Stubbs' reign as Hibs manager. But I still thought the Hibs kind of paid the price for just a very lacklustre first half. I think they they showed themselves how you break down a team like Falkirk or Wraith that comes to Easter Road with the first game against Wraith. They went right at them. They overwhelmed them. They played at a very high tempo and they scored two goals. So then you come out in the very next game, also at home, also a, a team with similar shots as well, and then you just kind of knock the ball about and just kind of hold possession. They're always going to hold possession. Falkirk wanted you to do that. Yeah, right in the first half, Hibs played right into their hands. And I actually thought it was going to continue in the second. And I put a, I actually put five pounds on Falkirk to win in like the Willie Hill, even in the, in the wee box in our stake here. Just about press the button. And Hibs started up the tempo, and I kind of held off. I was like, no, they've actually woken up to the fact that just us. Knocking the ball, but isn't he going to do the business here? We're going to have to play with some urgency. Yeah, because you look at Falkirk in the first half, and again, they're very, very well organised. Um, they're making it very difficult for Hibs, but Hibs are making it difficult for themselves. Yeah. The, the way the, the way the way they played, um, Falkirk are not too dissimilar to to, to Atletico Madrid the way they set up. <laughs> The way the way they set up, not too distant. <laughs> in terms of the way they set up, because they've got um, they don't play with uh, they don't play with any wingers. They kind of they seed the wings and have two um, two players that probably prefer, prefer the cent- uh, central areas. Uh, so it's a narrow four, and then and then two up front. So it's it, very well organised, two backs four, and then uh, they get men behind the ball. That's where the similarities end, of course. <laughs> But just as just you know, as we a comparison onto the, you know, we should have prefixed instead of having it at the end of the sentence. You know, we should have prefixed the sentence with, in terms of system. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, instead I, of just launching into Falkirk, not too dissimilar to the like of Madrid. The um, I think that's the name of the show. <laughs> but then, as soon as the the, the, the tempo's up, you can see that they're definitely not Atletico Madrid. Ah, yeah, I thought Falkirk were, were actually pretty poor. I was quite disappointed with Falkirk on the night. I mean, admittedly, they were missing. Uh, so Peter Grant's been out for a while now so that's a kind of first choice centre half they were also missing uh, Watson who's a second choice centre half he was on the bench wasn't he, it, he yeah, I think that's the first of them coming back though for yeah they, they wanted him they wanted him they wanted him for Friday but they put him on the bench anyway 
I think Falkirk, in terms of the games they played against Hibs this season, have been pretty disappointing in most of them. Because they've had the two games against Rangers, well, in fact, the, the game and a half against Rangers, because they were very poor in the first half of one of those games. But if you think about the performance against Rangers at Christmas, that was brilliant from pretty much start to finish. I know they had to hold on to it at the end, but that was always going to happen. But they've never really had that against Hibs, I don't think. Can I try to think back to their previous fixtures? Kind of, you know, they were beaten by a dodgy penalty, but even then, uh, it would be a kind of drab 0-0 game. I think they lost the late goal to Hibs, but Hibs had a man sent off in the other match. One each, I think mm-hmm. it finished. They they obviously had a great finish to the 2-0 East Road, but they came back t- to get that. They were okay in the one each. Maybe maybe that was probably their best performance of a lot. So they've not showed their true heights against Hibs, and it was the same again on on Tuesday. They just never lose, so they're just very, very rarely yes. lose. In fact, I don't think anybody in the league has lost fewer games. I think That's they've true. lost fewer games yeah. than Rangers. Yes, they have one more. I think they've lost four and Rangers have lost five. What didn't work for them was the fact that um, Lee Miller was on the field. Because he was dreadful. I think they, they could have... He scored as well. That's yeah. funny. He, and uh, he, he started... his only po- I know it's <laughs> saying it's his only positive contribution because yeah. it's a goal, but it wasn't like it was a great finish or anything. And he's lying. He yeah. did not mean that. Chris Sutton was like, oh, he definitely made. I can see the way he played. He tried to get his foot out the road mm. and he was too slow to get there to do so. If you're a footballer, it doesn't matter what level you are. It doesn't matter if you're one of the best players in the world. If you're trying to flick a ball coming directly at you as a shot, what you do is you'll turn your body towards it and you'll kind of stick out the side of your foot and you'll do some sort of action which shows you're trying to put that ball where it went. Lee Miller had his legs spread apart and put both his legs together in a star jump kind of fashion. Nobody ever tries to hit the ball doing that. In the history of football. Nobody's ever attempted it. Nobody's ever done it. Well, well, then perhaps in the future they'll call that move the Lee Miller. He was lying. And McCracken was lying as well. He deliberately handled that ball. There was, just a, there was a whole lot of... I, I, there, was, there was noses growing in that BT Sport post-game interview. There's literally pictures of him looking straight at the ball. This, or you it, was can actually, his, it was on his peripheral you vision. You can actually see when he gets up, he's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> you can actually see, see it. It was just at sports and He kept on saying it was Muirhead that did it. And it was infuriating. But McCracken, if you watch him, he, he gets up and realises it's not been given. As Hibs fans turn and uh, Hibs players turn and chase the ref. That um, he's just got this big uh, grin on him, and then Muirhead just kicks uh, Lee Menderson. That's ma- that's mad. It was that. It was I didn't notice that until no, 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 did that. I completely missed that just because and all the kind of drama uh, that was going on at the time. I, I just I didn't I, see that. I, I didn't see. It either. I think I was too busy laughing. It was incredible. He rolls it. He just just put his hand out. He rolls the ball. It was like it was. It was like he was uh, taking was, a quick free kick. <laughs> he was treating the ball as. Um, when you're curling, <laughs> they would just you would just throw a way to push it, uh, push it down ice rink. <laughs> Who do you think starts uh, on Friday? Do you think uh, that's what I was going to yeah uh, for Falkirk? <clears throat> no, that's not what I was going to say at all. But continue with that. No, just we'll, I was saying, uh, would you keep uh, Lee Miller in the team because Falkirk pitches smaller than uh, smaller than Hibs, and you think they'd be a bit more uh, forthright in their play, which will suit Miller because. At Easter Road, you, you're thinking they could have done with two John Bairds because John Bairds was, was doing a lot of... Kevin um, O'Hara, basically. Yeah, a lot of, he dropped in well. He's, when out possession, he did a, a lot of uh, good work. But then when they when they won possession, they tried to break and they didn't have any pace to break. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's a difficult one because on the, on the one hand, Lee Miller didn't play very well and I don't know if he's going to... Maybe it'd be worth it bringing in somebody else, but... I don't know if, and like as you say, give them more chance of creating space in between, but I don't know if Hibs are going to play as attacking away from home at the Falkirk Stadium. So I don't know if there's going to be enough of space, and maybe you'll want Miller, who I don't maybe, maybe with a better, not a better pitch because <laughs> it's plastic, but maybe in a pitch that's kind of more conducive to him holding the ball. Because he clearly had problems with Easter Road. He clearly had problems with just grass and life in general in that game, because every time he tried to hold up the ball, he just fell over. I don't think uh, Falkirk will be particularly expansive again on on Friday but in fact we've already spoken about how, how tight the games have been and they haven't really impressed against Hibs whereas they've actually kind of went for Rangers juggler at various points this season I can't see them doing it again because it has been reasonably successful for them I think they'll just try and sneak a goal yeah and for Miller there's more chance of happening for a set piece as well yeah that's the same because Houston always talks about the crosses um, but he's not got a team built at all to do that to, to cross them because like Atletico Madrid, but that's fine. Right, <laughs> that's, right, that's not criticism. That's not criticism. Houston. That's just the way his team's set up, and you can't you can't change your team to be a crossing team for the entire season just because Hibs are weak at it. We didn't work very well against Wraith, for example. 
Nothing much well, I guess, Rafe. <laughs> right, let's move on to the... Ah, oh, shit, we're well over. Uh, to the most memorable team. The most, sorry, the most memorable European night of all time. Scottish football. It is from the 1983 <clears throat> European Cup Winners' Cup Final. Aberdeen 2, Real Madrid 1, AET, and... After extra time. Bless us, bless us, are we thinking, what, what does that stand for? Okay, I probably should have just said after extra time, so thanks yep. for pointing that out, Joel. Get Anyway, who's, first of all, what was number one? Has anybody looked this up? It was certainly not the Europeans, uh, the Aberdeen's European song. I don't really answer the question. Yeah, Bill, uh, I'm not sure to answer your question. I was going to look at it and I didn't, but you'll probably Google it. Yes. I, uh, do you want to say your first interesting fact? Well, I'll, I'll go and uh, I'll go, I will fly in with this, the European song. They had an, uh, the, the team recorded their, their very own song for, um, for the, I think it was for the final rally and just the European run, it's, uh, run itself. Um, I've got it ready to play if you want, uh, Craig. Yeah, go for it. Let's go here. Well, this is all work. A nice new day. Goes on for another three minutes. Is um, that uh, Archie Knox on vocals? I uh, I think so. Him, him and Neil Simpson <laughs> as a duo. I I read an article about this and they described the management team of Alex Ferguson and Archie Knox as a bad cop, bad cop, which is fair yeah. enough. And it, I mean I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I, I read it on a, a BBC article about the pair of them, and it said that Archie Knox used to come in with a baseball bat <laughs> and just used to swing it at the players. That's. Uh, that's wild. I don't know if I approve. I mean, I laughed, but then I thought about it. That's wrong. But anyway, that was my first interesting fact. Yeah, the, the um. By the way, the number one was True by Spandau Ballet. Oh, oh. a classic. <laughs> Not as good as the European song, but, but, but a true classic. <laughs> yeah, the. I did some research by reading Glory Gothenburg by Richard Richard Gordon, and um, one of the things about Ferguson was that when he when he came in, the uh, they'd never seen someone uh, such an angry man, and they just hated them. Yeah, they, 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 <coughs> he endeared him. He endeared himself to them by constantly comparing uh, the players to uh, the players he coached at Submitting, and they just got fed up with it. <laughs> and it took him a while to cotton on. I watched. Uh, that was a team that was. It featured mm-hmm. uh, the Aberdeen team for that year and the first thing I noticed is that John Hewitt still has the bowl cut that he, uh, that he wore in 1983 which I thought was really strange well, Stuart McCall still got his hair oh that's true uh, and I also th- was amused by the fact that the players said that when they <clears throat> when they got into the European Cup Winners Cup they had absolutely no ambitions for winning it and the only reason they were particularly happy at being in Europe was that it allowed them an opportunity to shop in duty free Setting, their, um, setting yeah. their ambitions high. <laughs> At least they didn't do... Um, uh, so Bobby Moore in 1970... Oh, yeah, they were the still in bracelets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> He's dead now, he can't see. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> dead thief. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say that? This week, the same with, same with John Hewitt he's, um, what I liked was he kind of started it all because they obviously qualified through winning the 1982 European, uh, the 1982 Scottish Cup for the European Cup Winners Cup and he started uh, so the first match was um, Motherwell in the Scottish Cup at Fir Park and he scored the fastest ever goal in Scottish Cup history 9, 9.6 seconds and then in um, AET he scored the winner to kind of uh, bookend it Good. Okay, I wish I hadn't said AET now. Can we just go back to extra time? After extra mm-hmm. time. Yep. <clears throat> I thought I'd read something in the book <clears throat> and I couldn't find any mention of this online. Was it the identity of the boy who crossed the ball and was wrong? But Yeah. 
Right, so what so was the, it? But basically what it is is the... Um, it's, I think, in, in certainly Aberdeen circles, it's uh, widely known that it was, people think it was Peter Weir. Right, so uh, it was McGee. It, but it was Mark McGee. McGee. So yeah, Mark McGee said he's, he's, <coughs> he got his, um, he used to correct people all the time, but then because they always say, "Oh, it was a great ball for for Peter Weir," and he would just uh, sort right, of right because the commentator actually does say the commentator on the videos you can find on YouTube actually does say McGee, but it's, I think it's because they've done a, <clears throat> a new commentary for it. I think it was Peter Weir who initially wins possession yeah. back, and then he supplies the ball. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I think they got them mixed up in the original commentary. Oh. And it does say that in the, in the book that they, I can't remember the commentator's name, but they, they did say McGee. And then he re, uh, they showed the replay and he re, repeated it, saying that it was, uh, sorry, Weir, and then repeated it and said, We the game. Oh, right, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if either of watched the goal which got them back into it in the quarterfinals against Bayern Munich. Uh, was, I think it was McMaster and Gordon Strachan both yeah, run. The, the famous. And then they stop as if they've made a hash yet. Mm-hmm. And then they quickly take the ball in and, and McLeish scores in. It's Jock Brown's coming. I think it was Jock Brown that was doing the commentary and he said, that looked like a well rehearsed piece of tomfoolery. And I think any, I think a commentator should use tomfoolery far more often. I, I know that they've just said that the one, the Aberdeen game, has been re recorded because it was. So it wasn't the original commentary because I know that because of that fact about McGee. However, it was kind of old school commentator and just listen to them. Commentator's got worse, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah, the, much. the lexicon of football um, words was much better then, mm. but back then, like Tom Foolery. I've noticed the analysts are still the same. They just say what they see, which is what we can see. It's just completely useless. But the, the commentators just seem to be better. I think it was oh. Billy McNeil, maybe, in the, the Cup Winners' Cup final, and he, he wasn't really adding too much to the, uh, to the menu. Commentators are more, they seem more articulate and um, flowery with, with their language uh, years years gone by. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a bit more screaming and yeah, and rubbish voices. Um, I've got a few things. Uh, one thing, so the, t- the hotel that Aberdeen stayed at was called uh, Farhat, which in an Aberdeen accent would be, where's that? Where's that? So that's uh, an Aberdeen accent. <laughs> <laughs> So we've possibly got in a few Aberdeen fans just for the fact that this is another one game and you've just slagged off the ranks in. I go up a lot so I hear it a lot and it's just, what, what, what are you saying? It's worse than Peter Head. You're, uh, it's, it's not even English language, do there? So growl. Oh, so <clears throat> Jockstein said, Jockstein came along on the trip and he was there in just kind of an advisory role and he, the one piece of advice that kind of stuck out for Fergie was that he told them to give to Stefano, Alfredo Stefano, who was a manager of Real at the time, a bottle of whiskey, and says, give it to him and be really enthusiastic and just make it seem to him like you're, you're just happy to be here, here to turn up. But, but I still think, I know it's, it, we've, we have said it's the greatest achievement ever, and I'm just going to do exactly what i done the other week when we were talking about the Inter Milan team, and I was saying it was the start of Milan on the downward curve. This was a Real Madrid team that... Was in the midst of not winning the title for five years. No, but they only lost out in the title that season by a single point. I think it was Bilbao in the title. Real Madrid yeah. were a point behind them. Okay, then, fair enough. Within a season or two, they won the UEFA Cup. They won the UEFA Cup two years in a row shortly after that. This was a weird time in Spanish football when the Bilbao, t- sorry, when the Basque teams completely dominated. Uh, Bilbao won it three years in a row, I think, and I think Sociedad won it two years before that. I I, I I had it in my head that this wasn't a particularly great Real Madrid team and to be fair it wasn't a great Real Madrid team but it, it wasn't as bad it was hardly like mid-table team no, no they were still favoured to win the game it was, it was a team that just missed out in La Liga do you want to google it? <laughs> no no it's fine I'm that was I know they finished second that year because they, they finished second in five competitions because they also finished second they were runners up in the Copa del Rey final they were runners up in the Copa La Liga Final or Copa del La Liga, blah, blah blah blah. Anyway, that which was a competition that was only alive for four or five years in the early eighties, and they were, I think, they were in the, I think it was kind of like a Super Cup thing, and they were in the final of that and lost that. They also lost the Spanish Super Cup, finished second in the league, and lost the final of the Cup Winners' Cup. So yeah, always the bridesmaids for one season. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 crazy looking back on it. In Aberdeen, where uh, just. I think Ferguson was writing something for the Aberdeen Evening Express and he basically said if we wanted tonight's match as underdogs we'll finish up with memories instead of winners medals and we're not in Gothenburg to finish as losers this is Aberdeen playing Real Madrid this is a bit yeah and the, not only did they win the game 
But they dominated them for well, apart for the first half. Real Madrid possibly had well, Real Madrid probably had more of the possession anyway, so you could probably say they were better side in the first half. But for that point forward, especially in terms of chances, Aberdeen completely had the game in, in their control. Uh, probably should have won it in normal time, and then eventually did in extra time. Then, in fairness, the, the conditions probably did play in Aberdeen's favour because it meant that it was a wet pitch and kind of bogged down, and I think that tired the the, the Real Madrid players as well because they had to do a bit more running. And although although that is how Madrid got their goal, got the goal, yeah, because um, that's true. McLeish uh, um, well hit, hit a pass but got caught in the. Um, copping the the puddles on the pitch that, that, and uh, waiting white out. I'm not sure this Spanish. It's lucky it happened in, in 1983 as well, not 2003, because he definitely would have been sent off. I mean, that's something. It was, it was 30, 30, 30 years ago yesterday. The final. There you go. Oh, perfect time. Perfect time. Yeah. Why did we not do this yesterday? Apparently, uh, apparently Ferguson and the build up to the final. I think it was about two weeks before. Uh, got all the players' wives in and had a meeting with the players' wives and basically said that we. Aberdeen Football Club have a massive your husbands and boyfriends have got a massive massive game coming up and they need to focus on the game so under no circumstances can you give them hassle in the build up to this final and apparently the, the wives were under strict orders not to nag their husbands in the build up to the game Craig, Craig Brown when he was Aberdeen manager the exact same but it ended differently with the wives <laughs> they were under strict, strict instructions to do something else <laughs> he was wooing them <laughs> One, in one door out the other. <laughs> the revolving door of uh, Craig, Craig Brown's um, sexual desires. <laughs> yep, that's fine. Uh, the following week, uh, this is a quote from Fergie, I don't know if it was 10 days or just a weekend after. Uh, we're the luckiest team in the world. That was a disgrace of a performance. Miller and McLeish won the cup for Aberdeen. Miller and McLeish played Rangers themselves. And I'm no caring winning cups doesn't matter. We can't take any glory from that. That was on the beat range. Just got a Scottish Cup. <laughs> that was a kind of one time where Fergie's... <clears throat> they were fine with Fergie being the guy to hate kind of in the dressing room because he got the best out of him. But that was a kind of one time where I think he even put up his hands and went, right, I'm sorry, I went too far there. Because they were, they were raging, quite rightly. They just were like... Did they not win the League Cup that season as well? No. No, it was just a... But they were close. Just the they were close in the title. They did not miss out by only a couple of points in the title. Race. Yes. And they won two trophies. And in the last of those games, it's absolutely <laughs> slow. They lost the league by a point, I think. And it was two, two yeah. points for a league. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Just the like, uh, they had, uh, before they played the final, they, their, their games moved and they had they played Tuesday, Thursday to give them a bit more uh, breathing room for the, the final. And I think they, they drew this the Thursday game um, and then won 5 0 either side of those games. But that's what drawing that game, game cost them, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duncan really wanted me, wanted me to mention this was that. The, the parade with the the, the trophy, um, McGee McGee was as he says in the book he was pissed and he saw the just the trophy just just lying in the tunnel on its side so he picked it up and then um, Ferguson appeared out of nowhere and grabbed it off him so he's here you're not taking that Willie's taking that out and uh, McGee just lost the plot and took him into uh, like pulled him and dragged him in a room uh, he had to get separated while Ferguson was throwing punches at him. <laughs> McGee, who um, said he wanted to, he wanted to be a gymnast originally, did he? He wanted to be a gymnast, yeah. I can't even imagine. No, can I? Imagine, I can't imagine doing a forward roll. Never mind anything <laughs> like really gymnastic. <laughs> Almost imagine doing a pencil roll. <laughs> so a sausage roll. What's a pencil roll? Yeah, pen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just lie flat and stretch out as as, as much as possible. We just roll over. I thought it was a sausage roll. It looks like you like a pencil. Like you look like a pencil. Like a sausage. Well, what maybe Mark would look like a sausage. <laughs> anyway. but I, just, I just can't imagine him on the on the beams. I think this would be the worst show we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any more for anyone? Yes, I was going to talk. Uh, mention Alfredo De Stefano, who's he was um, very good at football. He was very good at football. Dynamite. He was, he was uh, Kiki Sanchez Flores's. Godfather, Watford uh-huh. manager. Um, anyway, he, um, he he had quite an eventful, eventful uh, life. He was kidnapped um, in Venezuela when he was on tour with Real Madrid. Um, he, he was returned unharmed two days later, and he actually signed for Barcelona before he signed for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was complicated because he was with River Plate in Argentina, and then Colombia at the time was offering loads of money. Uh, so he went to play, but it wasn't recognizing the league was recognized, so he moved there. Mir- 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 Arios. Um, and then Barcelona tried to sign on from there, 
they, they, they thought they'd signed him, but there was like a loophole in the contract. So, um, sorry, signed him from River Plate, loophole in the contract that Real Madrid started negotiating with the Colombian team. And um, he actually played a friendly for Barcelona. Barcelona just got fed up with the hassle and uh, cut him loose as long as Real Madrid refunded them the money that they paid um, River Plate for him. But then there's, there's, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going around that it was, uh, it was under uh, General Franco that he helped take De Stefan away from Barcelona. It's, it's an interesting read if you Google. A tangled web. There's another Barcelona that signed a player from Real Madrid though because they got him reeking on a train and he was like, "Is this train going to Madrid?" And they were like, "Yeah." <laughs> the train yes. turned up in Barcelona. Was that not? Um, that was another great player. What was his name? Uh, Kubala. Yeah, uh, Laz the Hungarian. Yes, Kubala. Kubala. Yes, Kubala, that yeah. is it. That, it? I think, yeah, I think so. Ah, he was. He wanted to sign for Real, and Barcelona official got him on a train and got him steaming. Who's partly was asking. This chair is going to be good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, yeah. That'd be an interesting hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Just waking up in a Barcelona shop. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> what have I done? And, of course, defence of Aberdeen won the European Cup, uh, the, the Super Cup as well. Yes, and that's just as big as winning any other European trophy. Okay, that's it for this show. Be sure to join us again next time around. And if you've enjoyed what you're here, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, Craig Cairns, if you're listening, uh, basically, if somebody's searching for a show on iTunes, which is where most people search for their podcast, the most popular ones come up first. So that's how it helps us. If somebody puts in Scottish football and we get good ratings, then they come up first. I, I thought that was implied, really. I, I didn't know that. But every time Craig does the outro, he says, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why we do this. So now you know, Craig, all right? I could have been nicer about it and told you in private. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're going to be nasty, don't leave a review. Just, just, just tell us on Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and we'll... We respond very well to criticism on yes, Twitter. Yes, we do. We respond well to criticism as long as you're not a walloper, unfortunately. <laughs> that's like 90% of the population on Twitter. Anyway, that's it. Me, Craig Fuller, saying goodbye and shit, look at the time. Goodbye. Cheerio. Podcast Network.